Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, February 8th. It was on this date that the first radio was installed in the White House. Can you guess what year or the president who was in office at the time? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Wednesday forecast. And good Wednesday morning to you. Meteorologist Joey Silvide here. Starting out a little cool this morning. 40s go to the 50s, which go to the 60s, and eventually 70s from lunchtime into this afternoon. A partly cloudy sky. So a few more clouds, but a beautiful day on the way. Get outside and enjoy. If you don't get a chance today, enjoy tomorrow, because after that, the clouds settle in Friday. Shower chance goes up. Temperatures will be in the 70s, so initially the wet weather is going to be on the mild side, but temperatures will cool this weekend, and those showers will last through Saturday and part of the day on Sunday. High temperatures only 55 Saturday. Chilly on Sunday. We may not reach 50 degrees. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. All right. Thank you, Alicia. Well, Colleton County firefighters are working to learn what exactly caused a massive fire that destroyed a storage building. Colleton County Fire Rescue was called out around 730 Monday morning for reports of a building on fire. Now, it happened on Cone Court just off of Highway 17A in Cottageville. By the time firefighters arrived at that scene, the building had already collapsed. It took crews about two hours to get the fire under control. Thankfully, there are no injuries. Several people were hurt after a high-speed chase on I-95 in Colleton County. According to Colleton County Fire and Rescue, the crash happened Monday afternoon just before 4 near mile marker 42 on I-95. That's near US-21 in Yamasi. Uh, the SUV was heading south when it ran off the road and hit multiple trees in the median. Officials say the engine flew from the vehicle and struck another SUV, causing extensive damage to the vehicle. A third vehicle was also involved but received only minor damage. Two people were transported to a local hospital while several others were treated at the scene. Meanwhile, we're learning about a second crash on I-95 that sent multiple people to the hospital Monday night. Highway Patrol says two cars crashed at the intersection of Augusta Highway and the southbound exit ramp on I-95. Officials say both cars were badly damaged. Five people were hurt and taken to the hospital. One of them was taken by helicopter. Highway Patrol is investigating the crash. Alec Murdoch's alleged financial crimes have taken center stage in his murder trial this week now that the judge is allowing that evidence and testimony in the proceedings. Yeah, Murdoch is on trial in Colleton County County for the murder of his wife and son who uh, were both gunned down in the summer of 2021. Live 5's Katie Cammon joining us from the Colleton County Courthouse this morning. Katie, in addition to the testimony about those financial crimes, we're also in the middle of a gunshot residue expert taking the stand. What's the latest on her testimony. Good morning, guys. Well, the defense will get a turn to question that gunshot residue expert this morning. That is a SLED investigator Megan Fletcher. Her cross-examination will begin first thing at 9.30 when court resumes. Now, yesterday, she testified that a blue raincoat found at Murdoch's parents' house tested positive for a significant amount of gunshot residue on the inside. Fletcher says this means it was likely worn inside out, but it could also mean it was used to carry a recently fired gun. 
Previously, the caretaker for Murdoch's mother testified she saw him the night of the murders carrying something blue that looked like a tarp. Prosecutors say it was that blue raincoat. But yesterday, the defense tried to block Fletcher's testimony, saying the confusion over whether it was a raincoat or a tarp made her testimony irrelevant. The judge, however, rejected this and allowed the raincoat and Fletcher's testimony to remain. Yesterday, we also heard from Ronnie Crosby, an attorney at Murdoch's former law firm who was at the crime scene the night of the murders. He identified Murdoch's voice in a cell phone video from that night. He also testified about Murdoch's finances. Jeannie Seconder, the CFO of Murdoch's former law firm, took the stand as well. She says she confronted Murdoch the afternoon of the uh, murders after the law firm uncovered evidence Murdoch had been stealing money from the firm and clients since 2015. He was able to read the, the client, um, and it seemed to you he always got higher settlements than it looks like they should appear, going back when we reviewed everything. Um, so I think that he used his personality more than technical skill. I think that, um, you know, we look back and we see things that were manipulated and set up, and I believe he did that a lot with his clients as well. Yesterday, the judge said one of the alternate jurors had to go to the emergency room, but he said the trial will continue without that juror and that everything will continue as planned. Live in Colleton County, Katie Kamen, Live 5 News. All right, thanks, Katie. And always, if you are unable to watch our coverage of the trial in real time, our team of digital journalists have got you covered. They'll be providing you with real-time updates each and every day of the trial. Just head to live5news.com and click the banner at the top of the page. Well, new abortion restrictions are back under debate at the South Carolina State House just a month after the Supreme Court struck down a six-week ban. Now Republicans voted to bring the bill to the floor for debate without holding a single hearing on it or taking any public testimony. Though lawmakers did hear hours of public testimony on abortion during last year's special session when they failed to get a bill to the governor. That bill they are debating is very similar to the fetal heartbeat law the Supreme Court ruled unconstitutional. It would ban abortion from around after six weeks of pregnancy with exceptions for the mother's life and health, sexual assault victims, and fatal fetal anomalies. Our numbers are increasing exponentially. And that is because South Carolina has become an abortion destination state. Because our laws are significantly weaker than anybody around us. It is a reaction by this body to our Supreme Court's decision protecting a woman's rights to privacy. Meanwhile, the House Judiciary Committee just advanced a more restrictive bill yesterday, so it now awaits debate on the House floor. That bill would ban abortion after conception, allowing the same exceptions as the Senate bill. The South Carolina Coalition for Safer Schools is looking to persuade lawmakers to make school safety a top priority in this legislative session. The coalition, consisting of 10 different associations from across the state, says an onslaught of school threats and violence has prompted an unprecedented number of bills 
introduced with a focus of keeping children safe. Now, one bill introduced yesterday includes the installation of a, quote, center for school safety and targeted violence under the scope of the state law enforcement division. Another could establish a negligent storage law for guns, citing parents whose kids are able to access guns. But as it relates to the latest string of email threats, the group points out that there is no bill targeting an increase in cybersecurity. This isn't just a state issue. We need some federal action here as well when we start talking about cybersecurity because it stretches beyond state borders. But I think that equipping law enforcement with additional tools for these kind of cyber investigations of where emails are originating from or where the active shooter calls last fall came from, um, that would certainly be money well spent. Kelly says school threats are too often fueled by social media and that there is legislation in Congress dealing with the child's access to it. The group says public support is crucial in holding effect, uh, elected leaders uh, accountable. Governor Henry McMaster has nominated a successor to serve as the Secretary of the State's Department of Veterans Affairs. Retired Major General Todd McCaffrey will succeed Secretary William Grimsley, who's looking to spend more time with his family after years of government and military service. Now, McCaffrey uh, retired after 34 years of military service. He then joined USC as the Senior Director of Strategic Partnership for Government and Military Programs. McCaffrey's appointment still has to be approved by the Senate. The Charleston Police Department wants to connect with the community to make sure residents know about some of their tactics. Yeah, this week, the department, uh, they're in partnership with the Citizen Police Advisory Council. They're going to hold a meeting to discuss traffic stops and the standard protocols for being stopped. Samantha Popovic, she's live in Charleston now. Samantha, give us a little bit more insight as to the motivation behind this meeting. Good morning. Good morning. The... Bureau of Justice statistics showed that in 2022, the Charleston Police Department had more than 13,197 motor vehicle stops. But a recent Charleston Police Department voluntary racial bias audit found minorities are pulled over more. The Citizen Police Advisory Council and the Charleston Police Department are holding a meeting on Thursday as an overview of the traffic stop procedures. They will discuss what you should expect during a motor vehicle stop, recent reinforcement changes, and steps the community can take to ensure a traffic stop is safe. Chairman of the City of Charleston Citizen Police Advisory Council, Paul Tamburino, says the meeting will also focus on the police department's policies for addressing racial bias during a motor vehicle stop. He says the racial bias audit helped re- reveal to city leaders racial profiling that has been happening in recent years. Basically looking at the disparity in you know, motor vehicle stops, in arrests, in uh, just different, just the, the volume of interactions um, was disproportionate for um, our minority communities versus, you know, obviously the white community. Um, and it was also as a result of, uh, you know, George Floyd and, you know, the, the mother manual. Cambrino says in the Zoom meeting on a Thursday evening, Charleston Police Department Captain Jason Broder will share statistics in the most common motor vehicle stops. For information on how to sign up on the Zoom meeting, just look under this web story on our website, live5news.com. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News.
All right, thanks, Samantha. Well, February is National Cancer Prevention Month, and health officials want you to know it's never too early to begin skin cancer screenings. Yeah, they say that those uh, who have had significant sun exposure during their youth should get screened as early as the end of high school. So if you have family members that have had skin cancers, you definitely need to be checked. But anybody who has fair skin, and especially if you have a lot of moles, it's very important to go see a dermatologist, at least for an initial baseline screening for skin surveillance. Now, in addition to yearly screenings, there are other precautions you can take to prevent skin cancer. The CDC recommends staying in the shade, wearing clothes that covers your arms and legs, including hats with wide brims, as well as wearing sunscreen with SPF of 15 or higher. Charleston County voters have chosen who they'd like to see fill the empty District 6 school board seat. Preliminary voting results show Darren Calhoun II will be filling that position. Calhoun defeated Lee Runyon 418 to 377 in yesterday's special election. The seat was initially won by former CCSD board member Erica Coakley, who dropped out of the race but remained on the ballot due to a late withdrawal. Well, right here at home in eastern South Carolina is one of the uh, only places in the country where inflation isn't raising the price of your Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, Andrew Rowan breaks down the economics behind the sweet treats. Most cookies you're going to find inside a grocery store are going to cost more these days, but not outside at the Girl Scout stand. The price of one box, which is $4, is the same price it's been for the last few years. Now, the CEO of the Eastern South Carolina Girl Scouts tells me that out of the 111 Girl Scout councils in the country, there are only two selling at that $4 price. We, of course, here are one of them. Now, that's not to say inflation hasn't hit the Girl Scouts. It costs about 10% more to make the beloved cookies this year. But CEO Diane Flanagan says she'll be able to keep the price the same because of the huge volume of cookies that local Girl Scouts here sell every year. Our girls last year averaged selling 575 boxes per girl, and that's the second highest average in the country. Now, after the baker gets paid back, the money stays local. The council collects a bit of it for operations fees, and then the troops can use it for programming, community service projects, and charitable donations. In West Ashley, Andrew Rowan, Live 5 News. To celebrate National Children's Dental Health Month, dental students at Trident Technical College, they're offering free dental services for kids. Trident officials say that these services benefit students as much as they benefit the community. Our Molly McBride joins us live now. And Molly, tell us more about these services that are being offered. Good morning. Little Smiles for the Heart is open for the rest of February, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, offering free dental services to children ages 3 through 12. I spoke to Melissa Copeland, the head of the dental services program at Trident Technical College, who tells me they offer free cleaning, sealing, x-rays, and fluoride. She says the services are performed by dental hygiene and dental assisting students who are a part of Trident Trident's dental services program. These services are offered year-round for low cost, but free in the month of February for National Children's Dental Health Month. Copeland says children a part of the dental services program need to see a certain number of patients in order to graduate. She says these free services help students meet their graduation criteria by giving them the opportunity to interact and work with children patients. 
right now there is a shortage in dental professionals and so we're doing our best to try to produce as many hygienists as we can to help the dentists that are in the community as well. So it's kind of a, a double-ended sword there, helping the patients but then also helping the, the professionals too. She says oral care starts at a young age and if so they can show with children how important oral care is while they're young, they'll continue that as they get older. If you're interested in making an appointment, you can call 843-574-6465 or email ttcdentalclinic at tridenttech.edu. Reporting live in North Charleston, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I mentioned that on this date, the very first radio was installed in the White House. That happened under President Warren G. Harding's watch, and the year was 1922. Harding became the first U.S. president to have a speech broadcast by radio that same year. Celebrating birthdays today, the man who wrote the scores of classic films from Jaws to Star Wars to Raiders of the Lost Ark, John Williams, turns 91. Comedian Robert Klein is 81. Author John Grisham is 68. Actor Joshua Morrow, who plays Nick Newman in The Young and the Restless, is 49. Thank you again for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.